welcome. This is take two. We're two minutes late, and there's a reason for that. I, I like how I we're always laughing. I know. I jokingly came in, and I'm adjusting, and this and that. I, you know, take two on the live broadcast, and come to realize two minutes later that I forgot to hit the go live button. So <laughs> I actually get my second take and it's just as bad as the first. Okay. Welcome to Lawfully Chaotic, episode 13. Um, we have a guest tonight. Uh, as usual, Jason joins me and we have a guest, uh, Callista. Thank you for joining us tonight. We do. Thank you for having me. And we're going to do something. We're also going to do something kind of fun tonight. We're going to uh, do our giveaway in the Discord. Awesome. Um, so for the month of March, it was pirate theme. Um, so we have some pirate themed dice, I think. Um, Die. Rolling um, them bones. I rolling like them bones. And I think our dice are actually, let me take a look. Um, what do we do for dice this time? Oh no, um, we—it's a dice box with a uh, pirate theme. So it's a skull and crossbone with the blades behind Can I roll it. For that one? Um, That's awesome. I don't know. Did you roll for that one? I mean, I'm checking. Just saying. Just saying. I'm checking. <laughs> Did I roll? <laughs> hey paradox how are you good to see you good to see you i think paradox should win has he won I, yet I, no i don't know if he's won yet or not but man he rolls like a fiend um uh but here let me announce in the discord that we're getting ready to roll hey so everyone we are live and we are rolling so once again, do you you have the dice? So this is a giveaway on TTRPG uh, Academy, right? Yeah, on the yeah on the Discord. Um, so every month we the pick Discord. a theme. Yeah, okay. every month we pick a theme. Uh, we uh, and then that theme influences um, uh, the dice, the book, the T-shirt, um, and the miniature. Um, awesome. So. <laughs> yeah yeah i i, I know <laughs> <laughs> all right all right hey babe you want to roll you want to roll for the dice or you want me to roll the winner well i just rolled um 327 oh, the, uh, so who's to 327 or well did you roll no i didn't roll Okay, then I'll have to roll. No, it's fine. I, I didn't roll for the month, but uh, that can be the winner. Okay, okay. Uh, so three, whoever's closest to 327. So far, it's one One is Guy. Uh, no, Cianosis. What did um, he get? Uh, 356. 356. Ooh. 356. Yeah, well, yeah, I've been distracted. One track mine. Um <laughs> 327 so far that's the close well no Lorana Maria 303 so you rolled 327 so I think that one's closest yeah that one's closest so that's far 24 away yep 24 off um yeah I think good lord uh yeah that was Jagger Winberry kind of had a couple flubbed rolls of Natural ones. That was pretty funny. 
Uh, still closer than Junior is. Got a lot of people rolled for dice. Uh, still closer well, than Wyev. Who um, doesn't want a dice box? Right? Know, yeah. Uh, or dice for that matter. Yeah. Uh, right? Congratulations. It's a pirate dice box. At, um, where is she? You are our monthly. We have a wiener. Nice. Have uh, him join cool. us in the chat. <laughs> and That's what you win. You get to join us. Yeah, in the you chat. get to watch a bunch of old people with hey, an incredibly hot, with incredibly hot Callista talk about bullshit. <laughs> What are we talking about tonight? Oh, we're talking about player characters. Last week we talked about, um, uh, is that Vince? Yep, that's Vince. Hey, Vince, what's where up? The, where, where the big booty hoes at? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, right here, baby. <laughs> we're talking uh, D&D. I, um, <laughs> we're talking about, last week we talked about narrative player characters, NPCs. We did, right? we did. Narrative player characters. Uh, and I think this week we're going to talk about player characters, basically just kind of how to build player characters, whether it be me from mechanic standpoint, background, class. Let's backstory. see. For miniatures, I rolled a nine nine three for miniatures. Ooh, that's Hi. way up there. Are so you rolling D twenties? D one thousand. Oh, okay. Uh, one is guy got a nine twenty six. So he's pretty he's pretty close. Let's see. Anybody else close to a 993 on the miniatures? Which the miniatures this time are just kind of little fun uh doubloon tokens. Um ooh, yes. 917 versus I like those. There's nothing more pleasurable than fake tokens. Mm. Tokens of gold and that aren't real all so nice. Well, Brian, did you see the ones that I have? Oh my gosh, watch. I love no. them. Hold on, I'll go grab them. Right. Oh, yeah, they're pretty cool. Nice. At uh, one is Guy, one, congrats on the win. Of course, they're in my studio. <laughs> ah, okay, there you go. Well, then definitely I'm enjoying chat. <laughs> All right, let's roll for the book giveaway. The book giveaway I was kind of fun. I've tracked down. I try to find really obscure stuff. Um, um, this is the high seas. Um, the high seas back. Uh, a role playing game set in the golden age of piracy. Oh, sweet! Uh, it's called. Um, sorry, the high seas hack. It's called um, made using the black hack. So it's like you know a low kind of. Not low, but like an unknown nice. publisher, which I try to do. So let's roll for this These one really quick. Then we'll do the, the T-shirt. Oh, sweet. I love game bits. You can never have too many bits. Ooh, I like this one. Ooh, a 94 for the oh my God. game That's book. cool. Holy you crap. You can't do it in... Ooh, and then a dragon. Uh, Ed Story has an 82. Oh. Um, so that's my closest one so far. That might be our winner. There's another dragon one. Uh, yeah, that's our winner. That story is our winner for the book. Let me just mark that. Thanks for being patient, Brian. I appreciate it. No worries. And then I think um, tonight I'm going to set up the new theme. Uh, the new theme is going to be horror. 
So we're going to do whore, whore, whores. Yeah, whore, uh, well. There you go, Vince. There's your whores. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, old man. <laughs> Careful. That could be either of us. <laughs> no, it's me. It's me. I know what it means. I know what it means. Yeah, he calls him that all the time. And then the T-shirt is to air is human to R is pirate. <laughs> T-shirts. So let's go ahead and exclamation R one D one thousand. See who wins. Ooh, five eighty five on that one right in the middle. Ooh, Skathos right with a five sixty. However, good lord, oneest guy five ninety one for oneest guy. Um, that that's I I yeah that's um off by six. He might have won the shirt. Let me go through the numbers really quick. Um, yeah, it is looking like he won the pirate shirt. Yes. Double victories. Yeah. Double victories on that one. Yeah, yeah. Looks like one of this guy won the pirate shirt too. One of our newer Discord followers recently, and one of our uh, Twitch followers as well. Cool. Um, so at oneist guy, congrats. On the shirt win. All right. That does all the fun giveaway stuff. And of course, um, uh, I am Jason Baldrick, storyteller with uh, TTRPG Academy. We are here with my lovely partners in crime, uh, Callista, uh, one of our most resourceful players and uh, perfunctionary cleric who spends a lot of time healing people because they just can't stay out of trouble. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, of course, yeah. Brian from RPG and Co. here on Lawfully Chaotic. And this is just kind of our fun little hangout show that we like to do. And every now and then we're going to pull someone in to, you know, um, make sure that we're not the only ones embarrassing ourselves and, uh, you know, talking about stuff. But to Brian's point earlier, we um, did uh, we labeled a new style of play, a uh, non-player character. We now call them narrative player characters the old npc moniker has been officially changed which prompted us to think about hey let's talk about player characters and you know what it's like and you know calista you're in what three of my games um four four of my games um four monday four tuesday uh and uh, sunday. sunday sunday so three games so how do you guys yeah. go about picking characters Hey, I got a campaign. You want to sit in, you know, go make a character. How do you, how do you start? I'm entirely uninterested. Of the time, <laughs> yeah. 95% of the time I play a cleric. <laughs> okay. So for you, you just go through the file cleric number 37. Pretty much. I have a list. I, I've made a character for every single type of, of cleric. I've made one. So okay. I've played a life cleric. I've played a death cleric. Now I'm on a war cleric. So Okay, but I'm, you I'm still... Are, do you always play the same race? No. No. Okay, I've so how a, do you... A, a halfling, and I've done two tabaxi now so far. So how do you decide... Um, Okay, so you it's always cleric, but how do you decide, like, how do you mold that character beyond that? Like, is he a, a jolly halfling who is a priest of, of uh, the god of laughing? 
or you know. I don't think I have she. So my halfling actually came about because Jason and I, at the beginning of the pandemic, started a campaign with his kids, and now they're ten and twelve. So they were you know eight and ten at the time, and we'd started it and, and I was like, all right, so what do we want to be? And I was just making up a, you know, crazy, just, you know, kind of throw away. Like I'm playing with the kids. I knew it wasn't mm-hmm. going to last long character. And so the story that we played for that ended up being my backstory for arena where I was playing her with the, with the other campaigns okay. that and I ended up starting. So, you know, she was like, the daughter of a woman who died and she was a property owner and she left me stuff. And then it ended up going and trying to get into her workshop and her workshop was, it wasn't haunted, but it was, you know, I still saved the notes from that. We could still play that if we wanted to. Oh my gosh, we should. We, we totally so, should. Wh- so when I, when I, um, when I create a character, I generally decide, well, not generally. I pretty much. Uh, oh, he's up. Oh, <laughs> it, it is awakened. Um, I generally, again, I said it again. I don't generally, I decide what class I want to play. Um, when I use, when I played, when I was younger, I was always a ranger, always ranger. I was like the range guy, sit back and, and, uh, and do that. Um, now I find myself mostly playing spellcasters of some sort, although I like kind of hybrid type characters. But anyway, I base mine on uh, um, class that I want to play, and then I kind of fill in from there with a race, and then come up with a, a backstory uh, depending on what what uh, type of character uh, I like to play. How about you, Jason? Oh, I never get to play. <laughs> I true. forgot. That's right. <laughs> I never get when to play. he plays when he ends up playing it's usually like a one shot and mm-hmm. he'll just bring up a random character on uh, um D&D beyond and he just starts oh that's cool character. too i've done I like that. that that's how i, I like my that college. too yeah well i have one character one character that i put some effort into um and his name was rumble belly he was a barbarian <laughs> um and for me, you know, he even had a he even had a a, a voice for it. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, well, Rumble Belly was a bit of grog, Rumble Belly, but a bit more of kind of like I'm a little here and here, and every now <laughs> and then there was a little bit of nuance in some wit that was like out of nowhere and it confused everybody as to how smart it was. Um, <laughs> Trin, hey Trin, Trin's in one of my pro tables um <laughs> personally how i make my characters is i have a general idea of a person which i love uh then while i'm making the, sh- the sheet i either do background first bonds ideals so she's uh, doing everything before she's even rolling <laughs> i love that because i mean then you can pull in all the pop culture stuff uh you can pull in like maybe a movie or something that you like to watch or you know, you could do all that. So, no, I like that that style. But for me, um, I I just love barbarians. If given a, a regular chance, I would normally uh, play a barbarian. I like the um, 
I like the mythos of it. I like the fact that you are a bit unique without being overtly complex, um, mm-hmm. you know, and therefore you don't have to know a lot of stuff about running the character. It's, you know, it's kind of that you could be brutish with a general understanding of your, your little bonus actions and extra things mm-hmm. you can do. But, you know, yeah, it, it, like I've played in, well, <clears throat> now that I know Vince, I've played in a lot of games now compared to my life earlier on. Um, I So, you know, I would say in uh, with Vince's one shots, I've been in, well, I've never been, I've only ever been in two campaigns in my whole life. Um, Holy playing cow. This game, yeah. For 41 years. I've only ever played. He's in usually two campaigns. the DM. That's nuts. Um, but I've played in a handful of one shots now that I've been okay. able to, you know, get more and more, um, uh, people in the discord and in my orbit mm-hmm. kind of running games and stuff. So that's been kind of fun. Uh, but you know, uh, being I, a pro to play DM, I'm always running. games. Yeah, anyway, that's so. true. I, I think, um, um, I think one shots are a great test character test bed. Uh, cla- my class yeah. choices actually depend on how stats are decided. That is a really, that's really interesting because we, when I play and when I DM um, these days, I just do point buy, right? So anybody can buy their points, uh, adjust it for race. Now with Tasha's, you know, it's basically here's two free points, stick them anywhere you want. Right. Um, But um, when we used to, I was actually thinking before you posted that, that comment, um, I was actually thinking like back, back, way back in the day, it was okay, roll for strength and that you roll and that score goes into strength, then roll for dex. So that could very much affect um, class choice, um, obviously. Here's a blast from the past, right? So Mm -hmm. when I was nine and a half and I had my players roll their first characters, um, we... Rolled three six three d six, and that was your first ability, you know. So we went down the row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were, you know, it was nine, ten, fifteen, seven, fifteen, <laughs> ten. You get like five, the guy that's got a three um, decks who can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What's it your was, strength? It's a four. Oh. Could you pick up that fork for me? Um, sorry, and, and, afraid I can't. <laughs> And, and that was the order of things. That's just how, oh you know, that's why, that's what I'm saying is like, we, I mean, we at least did the 4d6 toss the lowest, um, but man. And re-roll any ones? No, not when we were kids. Uh, now I do. Now uh, I also do re-roll ones. Um, and you know what? Maybe I'm too lenient because I've noticed that all of my players have really fucking high scores. Maybe I need to. Uh, maybe I need to get yeah. a little more. Um, yeah. uh, a little more constrictive uh, with the uh, with the rolling process. Um, that's funny though. But uh, yeah, I mean, there is something to be said for uh, just a complete either assigning a character or rolling that way and letting that decide what you are, which I think is really kind of cool. If you really want to de- dive deep into you know, getting into your character, um, 
that can that can very much imitate life, you know. I mean, what you roll is basically what you were born with, and that's going to determine who you are, which is kind of a cool way to approach it. However, you know, I mean, I guess it's up to the table because at the end of the day, it is still a game. And well, if you got I your mean, heart set on playing a magic user and you're forced into playing a fighter, that's what fun is that? I think my first go at some creativity when it came to, um, uh, well, Flan Pharos was saying, you know, like, well, first Flan was saying, um, like if I rolled stats and get three good numbers, you know, based on those three good numbers, you kind of go a certain route, you know, and that kind of influences it. Um, so that when I was young, that prompted me to come up with the, the idea of the order of things where people mm-hmm. would roll and then they would just reorganize the numbers. And that was the freebie at the time. And then eventually it was 4d6, throw away the lowest. And then eventually it was 4d6, re-roll the ones, throw away the lowest. You know, mm-hmm. it was like... Yeah. And I think... Um, um, and I think um, to a certain degree, um, as you kind of... As the game evolved and the... like. Y- like to a certain degree, the way you roll abilities is so heavily influenced by your subclass and your lineage choices now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So if you're a human variant and your stat abilities weren't really all that impressive, well, you get bonuses for being a human variant. Right. right. And if you take a certain subclass feat or feat, you might get, you know, and at level five, you know, you get an ability or a feat choice. So there's so many different ways for you to augment that stack now. It, it It's almost as if point buy should be the standard now, in my opinion. It That's my point. In my, in my world, yeah. when I play or DM, it is the standard. Because again, I mean, it, it is... It, you can't are, get an 18 really without, you know, nerfing something else. Yeah, well, yeah, right. I mean, you well, really, no, you, can't, you really you can't. have to. You, you see, see and this is. Lo- Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's why I love the point pie because you can't have an eighteen right out of the gate. Right, mm-hmm. and you it's can't. Pod, you know, the highest is a fifteen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, in, in my younger days, I, of course, I mean, I was like, oh yeah, I get the highest scores that I can get is is great. You know, now I kind of like the fact that it's. Um, you have to work up to it. That you have to work up to it. I also tend to play a lot, like I said, a lot of hybrid characters. Like right, you know, in your in your Sunday campaign, I'm playing uh, the the dwarf sorcerer um, who you know swings a hammer at people half the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, now, granted, I, I love a- watching you narrate out that dwarf. It's really it, interesting. Thank, thank the you. Way yeah. you. Play him. Yeah, we have and, a good and- accent for him too. <laughs> it's very fitting for the times. Yes, and, uh, but he's Ukrainian, not Russian. But anyway, we're not going to talk about that on the show tonight. But uh, tune in Sunday sometime and uh, watch us play because that's a live stream show. You too can see Grimholt uh, swing his magical hammer at people. And no, that is not a double entendre. Anyway. Not not yet. Not yet. Um, so for me, point by is, you know, to combine a, a fighter class and a and a, you know, a magic user class without actually multi-classing. Right, right. Um, takes a lot of finessing of the scores. And that was, you know, that was one thing that I didn't, we've discussed this before, um, uh, is how Tasha's, 
you know, by homogenizing everything in the, in the, uh, you know, the spirit of progressiveness, um, there are no more racial bonuses that are race based. Okay. So remember when Tosh has changed the rule to basically you could move them around. Right. Right. Which, you know, I, I mean, to me, I had a, a big problem with that. Um, and, you know, I've discussed this before with Adam. I think you and I talked about it. But, a little bit, uh, yeah. You know, what you're doing, you know, in at the surface, what is seemingly, you know, an altruistic move by saying everybody's equal, really, to me, kind of says the opposite, is that you are trying to dilute everybody into being equal when people come from such diverse backgrounds. So I think it actually does a disservice, but that's another topic. Well, um, but I think from a I I think it it, it has inroads into this because I'm I want to have Calista talk about this because she visibly struggled. So one of the things we've done differently with Pike's Promise on Monday nights is we got rid of leveling, so we don't have leveling mm-hmm. anymore. Right. Um, we also got rid of classes, so we don't have classes anymore. <laughs> um, Hold that thought, but. <laughs> When I remember you talking about that, and at some point yesterday, the day before, I'm thinking, "Oh, why don't you get just get rid of scores, ability scores?" And then I'm like, "Well, how about if there are no characters at all, and everybody just sits around the table, and the DM well, tells the story, and then I, as Brian Weiss, just say, All right, I want to swing on that rope across the chasm.'" And he's like, I, "Well, I and and the DM just says, "Well, I know you, and in real life, you would die doing that." So guess what? You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason why. The reason why I wanted to run that experiment is because exactly the reason that you explained your concerns about the homogenization of the uniqueness of a character build, right? There's for a player to build a unique character. That's the passion of being a player, right? Building that unique character. Yeah. So by taking away the leveling and taking away the, the railed classes, in other words, a fighter, a druid, a cleric, what we did instead was I just had the players, okay, write your story. Mm-hmm. We still have ability checks. We're still using a core DC system. But I said, write your story that you feel represents your character and play that story. Mm-hmm. So what I did is I wanted to build a table where I am no longer the primary narrative. I'm giving so much of that creativity back to the players. We talked about this last week. It's going to create a garden of opportunity where folks will, wow, okay, so, because we're still going to milestone, but we're just going to do it without levels. So, like, Mm -hmm. whenever we milestone, we'll have a conversation around the table, and then I want to hear about Callista's hand-wringing over this process, because she is a very traditional Mm D&D player. Um, whereas, um, Carolyn who plays is very much open to the idea. Um, but you know, when we hit a milestone, the yeah, players so my are all, characters, sorry, the normalist me, person. Sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah, to a certain degree. And it's not like we did this in a way to say, no, you can't play a traditional character. We just designed it in a way to give it a little bit more creativity. Mm-hmm. And so when we milestone the table, thinks about the last three or four or five sessions that they were in and they can say, you know what? I felt like I was doing a lot of physicality. I think I'll take a point in strength. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like I was helping the caravan a lot through the wilderness. Can I get advantage on survival? 
And then if the table's like, okay with it, based on the immersive play, then everyone says, yeah, that sounds about right, what your character development felt like. And then, boom, they add that to their character story. Yeah. So it's I all I'm experimenting with is kind of peeling away the last of the rails. So I'm trying to find that middle ground between where people want to homogenize everything mm-hmm. and where people want the rails of classes, subclasses, and racial tendencies mm-hmm. to predefine because the, re- the reason I don't why think it's a matter of predefining though, because well, the influence on me was that mm-hmm. as soon as you decide you're a fighter, you're automatically never going to be able to cast spells well. But yet in a in a fantasy world situation, why can't you run in? Not necessarily. Fate? Well, but keep I mean, in mind, so my dwarf, now granted, now there's a caveat to this. It is solely because he's a mountain dwarf. Otherwise, the character wouldn't work. Right. Right. So, so once in yeah, essence, I played a cleric. You, I played a cleric that was a dwarf that mm-hmm. was our party's tank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because you well, get talk, armor and you get armor and weapon proficiency. Course, I had, talk about talk about how you hand wrangled building your character for the Monday night game and just what how well, angst it was. Because I was I was trying to, you know, like what am I gonna do? What <laughs> like ah, ah. um <laughs> I've our when, when I play with my buddies, uh, my OG crew, I'll I will i call them my OG crew. It's uh, Jeff is on from time to time, Matt is on chat from time to time. But you know, these are the guys I play with in high school. When we decide to start a new campaign Callista, there are fucking weeks of character hand wringing going on. What are you going to be? I don't know. What are you going to be? What are you going to be? What are you going to be? Oh, I got, I got a character, and then we play. Trust me. I was like, okay, so am I going to play a cleric? Am I going to play a ranger? Oh wait, there's no classes. Am I going to play a cleric ranger? Wait, no. Am I going to play a paladin? Ooh, maybe I want to be an ASMR. Ooh, no, I want to be a tabaxi. Hey, let's be twin sisters. You know. <laughs> and I think, and if crazy. I may, I think to Jason's point, what you're and I would have, I would have to work at this too because I'm very much a traditionalist also when it comes to the game. But I could see what he's doing, and Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. You're uh, you were approaching it from the wrong standpoint. You're still, which is which would have been my inclination. You're still looking at it as everything you just said is not the reason he's doing this. Instead of saying, should I be a cleric? Should I be a fighter? You're, you ask yourself, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. I want to cast a spell, but I also wanted to want to be able to smack somebody in the face with a mace. And and the idea was to for uh, Callista and Carolyn and Ivar out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, to write the story of their character. Was that, was that accurate, Jason? Yeah. yeah. yeah because <laughs> to me, classes and subclasses are very railed. They, to me, they're railed because okay. I spend so many, I spend so many hours playing the game as a DM, right? As I watch people play, 90% of the people are thinking about their build 10 levels out. Of course, yeah. That's the rail. No matter yeah. how you cut it, that's rail. That means yeah. you're not because even you- en- you're not really enjoying the game yet. You're what you're doing is you're at level five and you're like, you know what? This is gonna be better when I'm level 10. I so cannot, why are I you cannot playing argue with that. As level five, then it should be fun now. <laughs> not more fun later on. And to yeah. me, that's always kind of felt like that last bit of rail that the game requires 
to kind of put people in positions of and how to play the game. And yeah. just given those, given the rule set, I, I mean, I, I'm inclined to disagree with you. Okay, about that, it's so railed. However, I cannot argue with what you just said because everybody does it. You're right. Like, ah, oh, this character when I, I'm sixth level, but I'm playing it in the hopes of ninth level. So I totally I don't. I enjoy it in the moment. Just, I I'm guilty of that also. It's always oh at next level I'll be able to do this. The class system and race bonus is reflection of how people see our world. Example: So many people think I'm good at math because I'm Jewish. Jokes on them. Ha! Me too. <laughs> I suck at math. <laughs> that the same system is a deflection of how we define ourselves in real life. True, but. You know, I, I'm sure there are there are more than just this one, but I keep coming back to. Did you ever play Merp's Middle Earth role playing system? Um, no, I read the lore and I read the rules. I never got a chance to play. Okay, it. I need to dig mine up. I know I still have it. What was I so great about that is, and not everybody is like this. I happen to like though. Um, the more detailed the the character creation process the better. And some people mm. argue that, 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 that that is even more rails because you're playing to a bunch of stats on a page rather than role-playing. I don't necessarily agree with that, but what it does, I think the great thing about uh, middle earth role-playing is that it, it kind of did exactly what you're talking about. Everything was more granular. So you had more, you had more fractional, points to put in more places without mm. without huge uh sacrifices to get huge gains you know what i'm saying because yeah. that game was based on a d100 system so like gandalf you know you could be a straight up book learned magic user and still swing a longsword in that game because it was very much to what you were saying what it was like what do you want to do and then you pick the skills and whatnot um, to do that. I think if I remember, it was so many damn years ago. If I remember, I think you could pick like a basic character archetype that may have mm -hmm. given you a base, but you still had a ton of points to to put in yeah, completely it, contradictory. It was, it was a well-known archetype, archetype framework mechanic system. Yeah. Yeah. And that archetype was the first kind of like spokes or uh, the hub with the spokes of opportunity uh, coming yep. out from it. Kind of yep. similar to like a lot of role-playing games evolutionary, like from 2015 to 2022, where, you know, these very kind of like complex trees and bubbles of how yeah. your character, you know, is developed through yeah. the PC and the, the gaming console. But Callista, talk to us about your GURPS character and how GURPS has influenced your character building. Because I love talking right. about that with you. So I have two GURPS characters. One okay. is a healer and one is an assassin. And it's really interesting when I'm playing both or both games concurrently. <laughs> is it? It's really one person <laughs> with a split personality, right? Yeah. You can you come on, tell the <laughs> truth. We know what's a lot up. Of times, we know what's there's up. There's a lot of times <laughs> where I'm playing my my assassin and they're like, is that Thea bleeding through? And then there are a lot of times where there's I'm playing Thea, and they're like, "Is that DJ playing? You know, bleeding through?" It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so my my healer, uh, she was she ended up being from a. No, I didn't write her backstory either. Just saying, Michelle wrote her backstory, <laughs> and Michelle's like <laughs> a aspiring author. Okay. Yeah, she's she's written um, writing several books. Um. So, anyways, so so I play I play the healer, and she was a hermit up in up in the mountains, and only would come down for uh, supplies and stuff, like semi annually. And the the world that we're in, she's it's um, um magic users are persecuted. Okay. And you know she's a magic user. She uses her magic for good, but yes, girls. Um, but she's a magic user. And so she ends up getting, uh, a magic, a mage hunter after her and ends up killing him. And, you know, she's kind of a pacifist, but she's only a pacifist. And that's one of the disadvantages that you can take as a character. And I made her and I, I did truthfulness and pacifist, um, for a character that uh, you know is supposed to be in hiding, and she gets attacked because she's a magic user, <laughs> so there's a lot of things you don't necessarily roll with disadvantage, but uh, you have to roll for the disadvantage. So you have to roll under a certain level and, and whatnot. Okay. And, so and what and what theme good. is your GURPS game? The 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 healers GURPS game is uh, set in. Almost like medieval times. Okay. Um, the horses and, and carriages and, and stuff like that. And then the assassin is in a high tech spaceships and life oh, wow. on other planets. Mm -hmm. That's um, cool. That that campaign. And that one, she was she was an assassin, and I didn't write her backstory either. Michelle did. And <laughs> this is who so you see are. A theme here? Sensing a theme here. Yeah. So <laughs> she ended up, um, she was an orphan and she was raised, you know, found oh. by this guy and she was raised by him and he taught her the ways of how to be uh, an assassin. And she's a very successful assassin, or at least she was, but then that uh, she got kidnapped. Um, she went to sleep on a, a ship and then woke up six months later coming out of cryo. And on a ship Idiocracy. that was, yeah, kind of, yeah. <laughs> but it was six months, not five hundred years. Um, so, oh, Leave me alone, Baton. <laughs> Baton, I like money. Oh my goodness! Um, Sorry. Sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I, I love that movie. You so, mean that documentary? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is it a so documentary true. or a mockumentary? I mean, I think they're called. No, I think it is now officially a, a documentary. documentary. Yeah. <laughs> Way before terrible. it's time. Yeah, those are eventually. Those are going to be historical archives. <laughs> hey, somebody already taped this from the future in the past. But when you when you did all that evolution of your character in your GURPS game, I mean, did. Mm -hmm. Did abilities and like ability roles or any of that really play that much into it? Yes. Or yeah. So in in like especially with Thea, mm -hmm. um, which is my my uh, healer, she I had to as she grew as a character, 
there were different abilities that she acquired mm-hmm. and I got to add to her character sheet. And there were some abilities that I had to buy off like her truthfulness. Um, but you get enough. Oh, that's point. cool. And then, but you know, I mean, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to buy it off. I actually had to role play it out as the character and actually succeed in not, not necessarily lying to someone because with mm-hmm. truthfulness in GURPS, it's not just, it's not just telling a lie. It's, it's being able to withhold the truth. Mm. So I couldn't even omit the truth. If I was asked a question, I had to roll. And if I rolled poorly, I was vomiting out the truth. So <laughs> That's awesome. Off. Yeah, no, not really. That's awesome. <laughs> this you know disadvantage uh-huh. and so i had to successfully roll enough ability to omit the truth mm-hmm. in order to be able to uh uh justify buying off that ability or disadvantage okay so that's was, really cool yeah yeah it sucked <laughs> but i mean it was great it's, uh... it was fun to play it sucked <laughs> Yeah, for a while, my entire party hated me because of just the verbal, you know, they're like, shut up. And I'm like, I can't. That's awesome. I would love, I would love that in a, in my party. That would be. Oh, no. Well, and, and she, I don't know if I'd ever take that one again. And Callista points out an interesting aspect of your character development, right? So there's your character build, you know, do stats define it or does your idea of what you want to play define your character? And then as we become more forgiving in the stat evolution, you're kind of in your mind building your character and you're like, okay, now all I got to do is get numbers close enough. And if I don't get numbers quite as close as I need them to be, I'll use the class subclass and lineage system to help augment my numbers in such a way I can get to what I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the game is essentially built for players to develop characters. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just built that way. Um, then as you evolve in the world of the game, uh, you gain levels and you gain feats and you gain certain things that make you more efficient, better, more practiced. You evolutionize your character, you know, by, a certain level, and I know there was a Pathfinder guy who did a who did a episode one time on his channel about this. Like, it's one of the reasons why a lot of people started to abandon Pathfinder. Um, at like at a certain level within Pathfinder, the outcome is infinite. In other words, you can't go wrong. You're always going to do well at a certain level within Pathfinder because hmm. you're eventually I'm, your 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 success ratio role balanced out on all your bonuses and abilities and feats that uh, dms gms and storytellers have to work really hard to create chaos in such a way to challenge beyond a certain level oh that you know? sucks for a dm i have a hard enough time doing that in 5e rules you a know? lot of people have said 5e could be really challenging because 5e is designed to be finite. 5e is designed for level 20 to be the end game. Now, a lot of mm-hmm. uh, alt publishers out there have been building alt, 
you know, companions and content to let mm-hmm. or help people take that game beyond that level. Um, yeah. You know, that's why you know, levels for me for the longest time, as it relates to a character, has always been my biggest challenge about how to create something a little bit different, how to approach something, you know, how to do this mm-hmm. in a way that the player character has to exist in a world of chaos. And that chaos is supposed to be the immersion, the challenge, and the fun, right? So player character development is just one aspect of it. That's the beginning aspect. Mm-hmm. The Once your player character is developed, then there's the evolutionary aspect of it, right? As you mm-hmm. move through the world and you get better uh, or, you know, some would say if you decide to multi-class, you become kind of okay, right? There's a lot of folks that say multi-classing just makes you an okay character. You're never going to be a great character because you're never going to achieve standpoint? those levels. Well, from, from, from a, a mechanical standpoint. Yeah, yeah from a traditional right, mechanical but, standpoint. Right, but absolutely. from a from an interest standpoint, both for playing and RP, uniqueness. Immersion. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. why multi-classing for me is the... It's the way I prefer my players to... or It's my preferential way for players to play. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a newer player, I prefer that you start simple at first, but as soon as you get comfortable with the mechanics... Mm-hmm. Then you multi-class because yeah. I'm not interested in an arcane. I'm not interested in like a level 20 druid. I'm just not interested in that, that character. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. It's not, it's hey, not, a, it's just, I don't hate them. I just prefer to be, to have some like interest in people's characters. Yeah, um, no, I, I, I multi-class system really helps that happen. Yeah. However, I mean, I guess there is, there's good and bad with the 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 five e system. Um, it's simple enough to be simple and not intimidating to play. It's it is complex enough to offer enough of a degree of uniqueness um, to make it interesting. If you're not if you're not heavy into the role playing aspect, some people aren't. You know, um, but maybe there is an inherent flaw in it. Uh, you know, um, given these uh, these topics that you bring up, because I I agree with you. You know, I've got a uh, a level fifteen uh, warlock right now, which is the highest level character I've ever had. Right, um, fifteen or sixteen, and and I'll tell you something. At about level twelve or thirteen. I actually, it actually started to become more just rote than uh, between like five and 11, say. Mm. Um, It just, it was not, it got less and less fun to play. Well, and I think that brings up a a solid point too, because within the player character kind of like ethos of, of creation, there's the approach of the min max idea. Mm -hmm. Right. And the idea that you're trying to maximize the idea of a build that you have in your mind. Mm. I actually love min max players because they challenge me to the extreme because that's the way they're having fun. And I'm always going to be a proponent of having fun. Now, like Aiden's character. 
Yeah, and if that style of player is not interfering with the fun of the table and people are kind of enjoying it as well, uh-huh. that's still the compass. That's still the, uh, you know, steer what that that's my north star mm-hmm. when I'm watching a table evolve. Right. However, I've also seen tables come to a grinding halt because they're all bored with their characters. I don't have anything against min-maxing. That's not the way I play, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would agree. Once it becomes too formula, it's just like, you know, I mean, the character then plays itself almost. Which is why, like I said, I don't set out to nerf myself. I just like playing odd characters. I mm-hmm. like playing a spellcaster that can still go up to somebody with a with a sword fin- and finesse attack and do some damage, you know? I like yeah. a... I mean, I, I dipped one level into Bard with a sorcerer just to be able to wield a sword. Um, and, you know, how often did I actually use the sword as opposed right. to magic? Not right. very, but it was a great character affectation. And it made that was actually the most fun character I've played um, to date. Um, so, you know, just like with the dwarf, with the wizard who also who swings a hammer. I mean, I've got a 16 strength or whatever. Um, because I kind of stuck to the racials a little bit, um, right. you know, and a 14, uh, intelligence. Okay. But so, uh, so obviously I'm not going for the maximum, you know, impact from, from that main class, but I have a lot more fun playing a character like that. And that's why I like that, that MERP system or kind of more, not necessarily more open, but just more granular, you know, instead of big chunks and you have to pick one of 12 big chunks have, uh, you know, a hundred little chunks and you could pick 47 little chunks, you know, and, and that leads well, one to of the like, things I, I really like about the core DC system. You've kind of touched on a little bit, the idea of giving the characters the opportunity to play something that is unique to them and it's a it's designed around the fun factor feel of being Mm -hmm. unique to them and then have that unique experience um all player character development has one unique challenge and that is in the nexus of the idea of how you know the seniority of your dm you know uh the veteran player status of the other players at the table um, is the table more inclined to be encounter-driven, combat encounter-driven, or role-play immersive? What's the table inclined? Is there more of a balance? Because if you're going to play a traditional dungeon crawl setting, you want a heavy min-max mechanic build mm-hmm. because you have a clearly defined expectation. right? If you're in a campaign that's open world... And you have no idea what to expect. And maybe your zero session, you find out your your DM is a 50-50 narrative, you know, and maybe been playing for 20 years or been mm-hmm. playing the game in one form or the other for the 20 years. That's why zero session is so important these days, because as you learn the vibe of the table, that's going to heavily influence how your player character comes into existence. Yeah. And it's also going to influence the evolution of that player character. So for a certain degree, 
that's another kind of nuance to the 5e mm -hmm. system is because it's become such a heavy narrative system. The breadth of choice of builds that I've seen players build, they're, they're more inclined to build a narrative PC. They're more inclined to realize I want to be <coughs> okay at combat, but if I'm not okay at investigation or solving puzzles or diplomacy or, you know, Jason's like having me roll insight checks mm -hmm. for an unusual looking box with some kind of effigy on it. And Jason's asking me to roll an insight check. Yeah. Fuck, I didn't build anything in my character to be good at insight. Right. And that's because you can't be the, in real life, you can't be perfect. In fantasy life. I beg to differ. I'm totally perfect. In, in fantasy life. You can't be perfect either. And that's the chaos immersion. Mm -hmm. And that's where the fun factor can either be heightened yeah. or more interesting because the real idea of chaos comes back into play. So I have, I have two things that I've done in my, with my homebrew rules um, to kind of somewhat alleviate this, I think, or just give characters more, you know, uh, or give players more opportunity to define their characters. One is, <laughs> Um, and this is not mine. I stole it from somebody, the idea from somebody, but, um, kind of like you were talking about earlier, depending on how the players play their character, um, not, and not based on die rolls, but just the choices they make, you know, mm -hmm. if somebody constantly cooks a meal when people are resting or whatever, you know what I mean? And, and, and constantly does that, then I might award them a feat, a cooking feat. You know the actual feat, just through through role playing. I, thing, I do the, I do the exact same thing, and I couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah, I think that's an amazing way for DMs and GMs and storytellers to create that extra layer of opportunity for players to enjoy narrative points within. Okay, what am I doing right before a long rest? Or yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, am I, am I reading a book of arcana or am I reading a book of languages? Am I reading a book of study? Am I reading, you know, the idea being like um, in my Saturday game, uh, Age of Empire, um, there's a Goliath druid mm -hmm. um, who loves to cook. Yeah. So every long rest when he cooks, I have him make some skill checks. And if the skill checks pass the DCs that are set, then the party gets a D6 inspiration or a D8, yeah. depending on the outcome. Yeah. And therefore that meal yep. plays very significantly into the idea of influencing the party. And they feel like they have a unique skill set, which they do have a unique skill set. Mm -hmm. They evolved on their own. And all I had to do was kind of like just create a little simple mechanical system to help yeah. that narrative kind of evolve as well. Yeah, and then the other thing is somewhat similar, but I I've developed a um, a skill uh, a special a skill specialization tree. So every and I won't go through the whole thing, but every yeah. skill every current skill in the game is a group skill, and under that I've come up with a whole bunch. Excuse me, of pre-made sub skills. Okay, so under intimidation you might have torture you might have um psychological intimidation you know yada 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 mm -hmm. um and uh 
you get a certain number of skill points at certain levels and you can save them, you know, and spend them at, at any time. Once you spend them, they're spent, but you can save them up. And uh, you are able to specialize uh, in a sub skill, which gives you additional when you do that particular task. And obviously that is, you know, in agreement with the DM. Right. Then you get additional bonuses uh, for that. Um, you can also manage or a, a number that you add. It's a, you, you can rank it where you get additional, uh, pluses plus one plus two. Okay. The more points you get, the more ranks you can go up to like rank four. You can also expertise in a skill, which gives you advantage. Okay. So sub skills is, is basically think of it as. You're either studying or by doing, you're developing a very focused part of one of those broad skill categories, right? Same thing like animal handling with snakes, okay? Um, <clears throat> expertise I define as just kind of gaining that that it's that muscle memory just from from doing and practice and practice and practice. That gives you advantage. So with enough points, and I and I think I've I've formulated formula formula did it did out formulated formulated thank you that's not a word what are you stupid since i formulated it um you know you can only go so high on on so many but you can you can focus on on one or two or three sub skills and and be you know crazy see, good at that see and i feel like you answered your earlier question about player character development and that Which, is the 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 five E system having flaws or missing yes. parts. I would say the five E was purposely built in such a way to make it easier for homebrew homebrew options to come into existence without major mechanical collisions. And you know what? And that is I've actually never thought of that. Um, if if that is the case, then then that is a masterful game system. And the reason why I've because always kind to, of to not sell a system as this is open source, you know, right. so to speak, right? And have it and have it stand alone and work as well as it does, and still be able to homebrew it is that the, that's a feat. The only fantasy setting related to Dungeons and Dragons is their class system. Mm -hmm. If you yeah. pull out their class system and just throw that away, yeah, and then oh, yeah. you take the DC core system. You could literally run that system in any theme park you wanted to. Oh, sure. Right. I mean, you and could do spells. That, every spell could be all technological. It doesn't psionic. even have to be spells, right? I mean, met, like what, like I love what you just described. You know, the mm -hmm. idea of putting specialized skill sets underneath those core groupings mm -hmm. is awesome because yeah. in a thematic world, right? Medicine doesn't care what year it is, medicine mm -hmm. is still medicine. Right. Survival is still survival. Right. Athletics is still athletics. Right. So in your player character world, yep. you could be a year 4000 uh, dwarf, warlock, paladin, druid. Right. And you design this incredible skill set for your level five, you know, sci fi warlock. Yeah. The core system's not going to care. The core system's going to say, okay, cool. The mechanic is still the mechanic. Yeah. And and, you know, and I and, and yeah. And That's like a, in your in your custom skilling, like under your medicine grouping, you could come up with a sci-fi grouping, like stim kit, 
Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know your uh, your your medical pad that automatically reads yeah. people's medical condition, right? Yeah, I that, mean, you that can come up with these tree, like little, yeah. Yeah, that subtree is completely dependent on on theme and time period, and and, and it could be adjusted um, to be anything. Um, I've always said the five E core rules, the closest that D and D ever got to a universal system, is five E. Yeah, all subsequent systems have always been very D and D core focused. You know yeah. the. Like if you look at 4E, I mean 4E by far was the most player character granular lore-based reality for character. But the problem was they didn't really take the DM into consideration. Mm-hmm. It really was ba- built to be a player-based system, pure play. Yeah. Yeah. It was all about the player, which yeah. made it very hard. It, it for- kind of it kind of felt like to me it was a video game made into a <laughs> D and D game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like everything was overly granulized. Everything was overly to the point where these players could build these so like you know granular characters that it really forced the storyteller DM or GM to like look at what they were doing and go, "Holy shit! None of the rules help me narrate this. So I've mm-hmm. got I've got nothing to help me with this other than some." ideas of charts and tables to utilize and and oh my god by the way the combat encounters are taking eight hours yeah you know so i think 5e overcorrected to a certain degree and i think what 5e is now doing is realizing that being open source to the community Mm -hmm. which we've talked about before Mm -hmm. is gonna be the great way to balance the scales again you know the realization that the core rules really are designed to help player characters become more narrative and pick the way they want to play their character. Mm-hmm. And because of the simplicity of the DC system, right? Cause everything's a difficulty check. Mm-hmm. You're either rolling to hit or you're rolling to resolve a DC, you know, and, and everybody is now free to look at the player characters evolution as well as the, you know, the GM DM storyteller evolution and say to themselves, we can all be equally narrative now, or we could all be a little bit role-playing and narrative Mm -hmm. and and counter-driven. I just think I'm never going to call any system perfect because there's so many systems out there. You know, there's Cortex, there's Midgard, um, there's Vampire the Masquerade, there's Cthulhu, there's GURPS. There's all of these amazing systems that fundamentally try to use mechanics in a unique way to play a very unique style of game, right? I mean, there is no more Mm -hmm. unique style of game I can think of other than a TTRPG. There really isn't. I mean, you know, where's my piece? Where's my game board? Where's Mm -hmm. my $500 from the bank? Where's my, you know, where's all the stuff I have to have to play? And that's why the player character to me is the single most important aspect of the game. Without it, it's not really that much of a game. I think that's a perfect <laughs> uh, ending point because I can't argue with that. And I don't think I can top it. So I think Our right hour there is up, folks. I Our think that sums up. it up 
perfectly um, that there's there are a lot of ways to approach uh, the character. Um, this was a very uh, a yeah. a, a very informative and dis- and discovery laden episode. Um, so I like I what you. I like be, what you. S- I will not be around next Friday. Um, okay. I am going into town to have dinner with my older daughter and my older son. Um, so I'm actually taking some time off for the first time next week. I, uh, nice. I'm taking enough time off to spend some more time with my girl and my son, um, okay. as well as work on the ranch. Like we're literally nice. Sunday. We're off the grid. We are heading up to a mountain. But when you say into town, you mean LA? Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Where are you going to dinner? Um, they have a shabu shabu restaurant in Fullerton that they love to go to. Oh, nice. So that's probably what we're going to be doing. We haven't been there. I mean, COVID was a bitch. Yeah. COVID fucked schedules up and the remaking of my professional career didn't help any. So (laughs) creating, I now have to create time to go do things like that. And before I didn't have to do that, you know, when you work that nine to five job, you knew what time you had. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it's not quite like that. So, yeah. So I get to spend time um, this Sunday. We're going to go up to Idlewild and cool. um, do. They have so many cool thrift shops up there. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, that's. I've never been of, up that way. All the times I've been out there, never been up that way. Yeah. Next and, time we come out, I'll have to come up and visit you guys. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've got a membership up there with a winery yeah. um, that we're going to spend some time with. I got like two <laughs> shipments I got to pick up. Nice. Um, but yeah, it was just a day for us to be able to just to do nothing and awesome. wander the you know wander the streets at five thousand feet and with the baby cool. with the baby the baby the, bebe. the, bebe. the mountain baby <laughs> put him put put him in a Yoda pack. Um, yeah, I have right, one. Cool. I made sure I grabbed it. <laughs> so really quick, I'll go over my schedule. Monday night, Pike's Promise over at the TTRPG Academy. Uh, Tuesdays, uh, Titans Revival in the afternoon. Um, Denizens and Masters in the evening. Um, Wednesday is Building Worlds. Thursday is Building Worlds. Friday is hanging out with Brian and anyone else who's foolish enough to hang out with us. Uh, Saturday is over foolish. at the D&D Club um, with, <laughs> with the Graying Lands. Uh, and then Sunday, you can catch me, Brian, and Calista at TTRPG Academy as part of our uh, live stream with... Um, uh, uh, Debtor's Gambit uh, Sunday yes. night. Um, yes. I'm working on another Sunday table, so I was thinking of a different Sunday table. Ah, at that gotcha. Point. But cool. Uh, although we will be uh, zero dark this Sunday um, as we're taking that day off. Cool. What do you got yeah, going on, I'm, Brian? I'm out of town anyway. Um, I am currently I'm finishing up a couple uh, brands that I'm making for uh, a couple really really cool. Um, shops in the community um one of them i just finished they should have their uh their feed up soon really really cool group of guys who play they're all veterans and they all play D and they use that kind of as a catharsis which is fucking awesome so um did a brand for them got another um brand that i'm doing uh i've got that uh special work that i'm still in the middle of for our yeah our um is our it friends is it critical work? It is critical work. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but as soon as that is wrapped, um, I am going to start a live streamed uh, game that I will be DMing of my homebrew campaign. 
um, nice. called Tales, Tales of the Occult. Um, do, you, uh, do you know what day? I have it's I I'm just in the more characters do you need more players (laughs) uh, I I need this is I'm finally just getting my my shit together so do I need more players or do I need players (laughs) no I don't need more players yes I need players Players. (laughs) Um, so anyway um, that is uh, down the road Um, otherwise uh, why is my your camera keeps rotating. I know. Um, otherwise, uh, I think that is about it. I will either find somebody to share the screen with next Friday in Jason's cool. absence, Perfect. or I will sit here and run my mouth off for an hour for you <laughs> all for your enjoyment. Um, maybe I'll, uh, I got a couple people I can, I can call. Um, awesome. And I may or may not do that show next week on Thursday. I will give you plenty of notice. But we may – we need to talk about about it uh, in more detail. But we may move this show from Friday night. But that is okay. pending. So for now – And just... I actually completed my first uh, uh, dungeon build um, for my Universal Compendiums. Um, oh, cool. Uh, okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a whole bunch of those together and uh, – going to see if we can't turn that into a guide absolutely then, that uh, will be our first publishing uh project yeah our first foray RPG company yeah Perfect. that'll be fun so. awesome cool um, all right cool all right well thank you Callista, for joining us and sebastian uh jace thanks as always love oh, uh, love talking to you you always enlighten me um <laughs> and uh so it's always a pleasure so. and frighten enlighten and frighten Bye, so, uh, keep playing everybody ciao Ciao. Play a game. Bye, everybody. Play a game. It's important for your mental health. Boom. <laughs> okay.